guys, it's Simi, and this is Brustling Unlimited, as it's Monday, and that means tonight was Monday Night Raw. I thought tonight's Monday Night Raw was pretty good. There was a couple things where I was like, and eh, this is a little boring, or and eh, this is whatever, but there was some really, really good stuff on tonight's Raw. We did a lot of building towards Elimination Chamber. I am going to talk about, well, we're going to save this to the end of the podcast, a spoiler that came out this afternoon for Elimination Chamber that plays into something we saw tonight on Raw. So don't worry. I won't talk about that until the end. And then I will put this graphic up on the screen when I do talk about it. So that way you guys do know, hey, spoiler talk on the podcast. So with that, Luke, what do you think of tonight's Monday Night Raw? I thought Raw was good. Not going to say it was great. I thought it was a very productive Monday Night Raw. Did a good job of setting a lot of stuff up for Elimination Chamber. They did <clears throat> some stuff for WrestleMania, so there was a lot of productivity towards it. Oh, yeah. And so, like you said, they even built stuff for WrestleMania, which if anybody, unfortunately, we now know that, you know, I mean, let me, let me back that up a little bit. Everybody was already under the impression Sami Zayn was not beating Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber. But if anybody thought maybe that was possible, that thought out of your mind tonight with that Cody and Paul Heyman segment. So, yeah, Cody and, and Roman just became an even bigger match. Just became even more interesting. I saw so many people going, eh, I was kind of interested. And now with the Heyman stuff tonight, they go, oh, I'm so interested. I can't wait till we get Cody and Roman in the same ring talking. So that's going to be great. We probably won't see Cody and Roman together till after Elimination Chamber. What is it? Two weeks from Saturday. A week from this Saturday. Chamber's coming up quick. Quicker than you would think. So, I can't wait. till. So, maybe the 20th is when we get Roman on Raw to start building up Cody stuff. Because that's the Raw after Elimination Chamber. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you if you are watching this live. Either twitch.tv forward slash pwunlimited or youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited. Remember, if you are watching live, you can help us out a couple of different ways. If you're watching live on Twitch, you can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime or access to somebody else's Amazon Prime account, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and it always gives you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, if you're watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there as well by becoming a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access podcast episodes, early access non-news videos, graphics packages, and so much more. Also remember, you can get all of that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited. And finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming one of the free games or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, Fall Guys, or not Rumbleverse. I want to say it, but I can't anymore because that game's going away. Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use our code down here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be directly supporting us at no extra cost. Remember, use code PWUNLIMITED for all Epic Game Store and Epic Game or Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases, whether that's on your computer, your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Nintendo Switch, or mobile devices for Fortnite. 
It's unfortunate that Rumbleverse is going away. The game was fun, and I say that like I played it a lot. I played it for the first month or two it was out, and then never went back to it. So it's very unfortunate. Games like that and Rocket, not Rocket League. Um, um, um. Ooh, it's um, Knockout City are going away because the player base, the player base just dropped off so much. It really sucks. Honestly, I mean, I would go for it. Yeah, I only played like Rumbleverse like once or twice. I know there's, I know a lot. There's quite a few people that played on Twitch. Yeah, like Macho T. I, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I don't know if they ever tried, but if they could have got any sort of WWE or AEW or even Impact Wrestling or New Japan tie-in, maybe that would have helped. But I don't know. Maybe they just didn't have the budget to reach out. It's unfortunate because that game what launched in August. Uh, August, September, October, November, December, January. Game only lasted six months, unfortunately. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe they work on something new that's even better. This is their next game because I don't think the studio's going away. I think it's a Valen. No, it's not Valen Studios. Valen Studios is the one behind Knockout City. But hopefully, both studios can do some can cool things going forward. I know the Knockout City developers said that the reason Knockout City is basically kind of going away is because they can't focus on more than one game at a time, and they are working on their next project. But with that, Monday Night Raw kicked off with Edge and Beth Phoenix. There is a video package recapping their issues with Judgment Day, going all the way back to October and Elimination, or Extreme Rules. Edge says he was happy to be back and added, quote, I am the king of comebacks at this point. It's getting silly. Edge then admitted, but they have a Judgment Day problem. And, well, that's mainly his fault because he started Judgment Day. Yet, the reason he started Judgment Day is still showing today. He started Judgment Day to get superstars, new young superstars that aren't getting noticed, noticed. And, well, everybody that's in Judgment Day today is thriving since joining. Like Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. And then he goes, oh, yeah, and Dominic Mysterio's with them, too. He said Finn is even on another level than he ever was. Edge felt helpless, though, when Ripley held the chair to Beth's head. At, at a... Edge said that he felt helpless when Rhea held the chair to Beth's head in October at Extreme Rules, stating that the safety of his wife was the only way they were going to get him to say, I quit, and that's what happened. He never felt more helpless, and they said, I have to give Judgment Day their golf clap. I have to give him their due. Edge says that he was stopping nothing, though, to get his pound of flesh back. Beth Phoenix goes, all right, all right, let's just cut to the chase here. I'm, I'm done with all this. I want Judgment Day out here. I need to, we need to talk to them. And out would come Balor, Priest, and Dominic. No Rhea Ripley. Balor told Edge, it might be time to say, quote, I quit for good. Crowd loudly booed when Dominic about, bragged about serving hard time and made a remark that Ray never made it into the Rumble. Priest acknowledged that Edge and Beth kept coming back no matter what they did to them. Priest threatened them with worse than they've ever seen, saying that he would beat Angelo Dawkins tonight and become the United States champion at Money in the... Wait, 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 no, not Money in the Bank. This man's got me so flustered up, I can't even think about what I'm trying to win a match for. I thought that was kind of funny, trying to cover up for your little botch there. But he meant Elimination Chamber. Edge then thought it was ironic 
that Priest didn't want to be by his side, but he followed Balor. He says, you don't want to be under somebody. You don't need a, a leader. You want to be, you know, equals, yet you follow Finn. Edge then threatened to drop them all faster than Dom dropped his pants in prison. Edge says, I can't wait to see when Ray comes back and kicks the teeth down your throat. Edge then made a reference to the band uh, Jamiroquai, mentioning their song Virtual Insanity from like the 90s, I think it was. Bethden's like, you know what? We're cutting to the chase again. Ray, or he says, uh, Ripley is good. But now we want to fight her and you. Basically, she was like, hey, she's a challenge. Me and Edge against Ripley and Balor at Elimination Chamber. So Balor was like, thinking about it, thinking about it. And he's like, well, um, Rhea's not here because she's got a uh, promotional thing she's doing. She's doing media and whatnot. But Dom, you think she would accept this? You, you, you think she would do it, Dom? And Dom's like, I think Mommy would want to do this match. And Finn's like, all right, then let's do it. Us two against you two, Elimination Chamber. Judgment Day then would go on to attack as Angelo Dawkins would run out to even the odds and Edge would spear Balor. Dom tried backing away unharmed, but Montez Ford would sneak up behind him and he threw him in the ring where Beth gave Dominic a glam slam. And there is a shot that somebody got a screenshot of that as Beth has Dom lifted all the way up for the glam slam. I wish I knew who tweeted this. As Beth has Dom lifted all the way up for the glam slam. Freaking, um, someone's got a sign up that says, Eddie's your real dad. I thought that was great, but Luke, what'd you think of the segment? I thought it had a lot of potential to be great. I mean, it kind of felt a little slow for a little bit. Yes. I mean, we all kind of knew, I mean, we all kind of knew what it was leading to, but I don't really want to see Finn and Rhea lose, though. Because for one, like, it would make Rhea kind of weak, though, like, even though she didn't get the pin, it kind of make her a little weak, like she wasn't really good enough to, like, get the win. Hey, but, who, who's to say they don't win, though? Honestly, I think I, this... I say they do win. I say they do win, because it'll help build it up a lot more towards Edge WrestleMania and, if they... Ed, Edge and Beth, or... Do, you think Edge and Beth win, or Balor and Rhea? I think Balor and Rhea, because well, it'll help saying. build it up yeah. more for WrestleMania. If they decide to do Edge versus Finn. Or maybe there's a non-finish type thing where everyone's just brawling really bad to where that finally leads us to the rumored Edge, Balor, Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Demon Balor versus Brood Edge. Yeah, Demon Balor, Brood Edge. That was supposed to happen at Royal Rumble, but Edge was too busy filming a Disney Plus show. So... Hopefully we get that match at WrestleMania. That'd be a really fun match to see at Mania. Hell in a Cell. When's the last time we had Hell in a Cell at Mania? Was it? I think it was Shane, Shane and Taker? At 32? I think so. 2016. Yeah. That may be the last time we had a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania in 2016. So we're due. We're due. <clears throat> so we come back, and it's just Angelo Dawkins and uh, Damian Priest in the ring. They stated that during the break, Adam Pierce came out and tossed everybody out of ringside. So we're doing this right. We're only going to have the two men that actually need to be out here, out here, because this is an important match. And the match itself went roughly 12 minutes. I think it started during the break, maybe. I can't, I didn't get a uh, uh, 
super accurate time on it because I wasn't sure if the match started before the break or during the break or right when we came back from break. But when we came back, Dawkins ran into a super kick and Priest followed this up with a flatliner for a two. Dawkins countered a choke slam into a silencer for a two, followed by a swanton uh, for a near fall. Priest then followed this up with a spinning kick and a south of heaven choke slam for the pinfall victory. It went 12 minutes, but the match didn't blow my skirt up at all. It didn't really do much for me, and I felt like there was nothing really of note. Everything looked solid, and these two guys worked good together, but it was just not a, not a super entertaining match. Like, it wasn't bad. But it's just nothing special about it. What'd you think? I mean, to me, it just felt like just a regular match. Yeah. But with this match, it does put Damian Priest in the U.S. title Elimination Chamber match at Elimination Chamber. We expect it, honestly. Oh, yeah. Boston Theory would arrive in a black Lamborghini convertible. Corey Graves congratulated Bad Bunny on winning a Grammy. And Adam Pierce officially welcomed Maxine Dupree and the other two, Mace and Masse and Mansoor, Mansoir, I mean, to Monday Night Raw as the newest members of Raw as they were signing their new Raw contracts. I mean, WWE kind of already told us this when they put the Raw graphics on their .com profiles. So we knew this was coming because they were on Raw last week and WWE updated their profiles before tonight's Raw. They then left as Chelsea Green would arrive and wanted to speak with Adam Pierce. She arrived to complain about getting Belgian <clears throat> chocolate last week instead of Swiss chocolate. And also about not being in the chamber match or even having an opportunity to be in the chamber match. She said she wanted a match tonight or else maybe she would call Pierce's manager and that would be bad news for him because she can get him fired. She then closed it by saying, okay, thanks, bye, and left. So if you haven't figured it out, Chelsea Green's got a comedy gimmick and she's supposed to be a quote-unquote Karen. Yeah. I thought the part was like, give me what I want or I'll call your manager. I thought that that's definitely a Karen right now. Oh, yeah. There. So they're, they're, they're starting this off like, what's what I'm looking for? At the umpteenth level. They're not even like slowly building to her becoming a Karen or being a Karen. She's just 100% coming in already as it, which is kind of the funnier way to do it because I would have thought maybe another way you do it is she gets screwed a couple times, then becomes a Karen, and then we go from there. No, she's just coming straight in complaining about shit that no one else cares about. So I think if anybody can pull this gimmick off, it would probably be Chelsea Green because when you think about all the different women WWE has or that could be interested in, I think she has some of the better comedic timing. So I think she is going to do well in this role. I don't know whose idea the gimmick was, but I'm glad it went to her and not somebody else. I just actually thought of an idea. Go for it. What if they brought back Zack Ryder? Uh -huh. And then they were like, give me what I want or my man will teach you a lesson. <laughs> That'd be funny. Looks like Kid Vicious in the uh, Twitch chat doesn't know what a Karen is. He says, you mean Karen Jarrett? No. A Karen is a slang term for a female that all she wants to do is complain about stuff. That she wants everything her way, even if that's not the right way to do things. And she always goes, hey, if I don't get what I want, 
I'll try to get you fired and I'll call your boss and da 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 and I'll complain to HR and management and da, da, da. that's what a Karen is. It has nothing to do with Karen Jarrett. Not even close since There's Saturday says. Of, what? Plenty of YouTube videos. Right. You can see examples of Karens. There's a video recapping the Sami Zayn Roman Reigns angle from last week on SmackDown, heavily pushing the notion of will Jey Uso show up on Friday to defend the SmackDown tag team titles against the winners of the tournament, Braun Strowman and Ricochet. So they're really playing it up that nobody knows if Jay is actually going to appear on SmackDown for the title match. This Jay thing is a little interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe from like they're building it up to like from his point of view, kind of feels like sympathy for Sammy. Maybe he'll eventually realize, oh, this guy like turned on our family. Yeah. Going forward, we had Dexter Loomis with Johnny Gargano in his corner against Baron Corbin with JBL. Corbin lost in three minutes here. Corbin attacked Loomis before the match during a picture-in-picture as they showed a replay. And we were in a long chin lock spot. Less than, excuse me, less than about a minute into the match. Loomis then found um, like a second rest hold. And the finisher came kind of just out of nowhere and he beat Corbin. JBL was very unhappy here, which leads to something that happens a little bit later. So, any thoughts? I don't, there's really nothing really to say here, but. I mean, I kind of feel like Corbin probably should have gotten the win here. Because, well, I mean, not for where it wasn't really going to hurt. If you, th- if you think where it led to, I mean, we'll just fast forward. JBL basically dumped Corbin. So Corbin had to lose for JBL to want to no longer be with him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they got rid of that so soon. I feel like they just got JBL with them. There's got to be some overarching... I'm trying to think where this could lead to. I mean, he doesn't need to go back to bum-ass Corbin or depressed Corbin. I don't think he should do that. I just I don't understand where this could go. It's baffling, to be honest. Like, like you said, they just started this not long ago, and they're already ending it. Because even, even, I mean, we'll fast forward. Corbin says, I'll do anything to, to prove to you that I'm worthy. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And JBL literally said, you can't polish turd, and I've already tried. Basically calling Baron Corbin hopeless. I mean, yeah, I don't know if like JBL just didn't want to be on TV anymore. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's... To me, it came out of nowhere. JBL already given up on Corbin. Because it's only started in like late December. Let me see. JBL. When did JBL return? Oh, this has been going on since October. Way longer than I thought. Oh. It didn't seem like that long. November, December. It's been going on for almost four more, three and a half, four months. So, yeah. Remember, guys, if you want to get your comment, question, or concern read live on the air, you can do so by uh, donating a Super Chat on YouTube. Super Chats are greatly, greatly appreciated. But, yeah, you think they keep... Well, you said maybe JBL wanted to get off television. Maybe JBL goes with somebody else. Who would benefit from JBL if maybe they put him Uh, with somebody else? Academy, maybe? 
Mm. Make the Alpha Academy. Well, I said it before. Make the Alpha Academy his new Basham brothers, like back in the day. That He's would... like, you know what? You need help. I'm going to bring in Alpha Academy to help back you up. Yeah, there is a slight chance that he changes his mind and gives Corbin a second chance. As we move forward, Byron Saxton interviewed Becky Lynch. She ran down her history with Bailey, which started right here in Orlando, and warned her not to talk about her family anymore. Lynch said that Bailey could bring her friends with her because it's not going to matter. Lynch said that she has one more card that she can play that she hasn't played yet and may need to pull that out tonight. Then we got Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. These two got great reactions from the crowd. This was overall a pretty good segment. So Lesnar asked if the crowd enjoyed him being at the Royal Rumble. They cheered, but then he thought kind of sucked, at least for him. Lesnar said that he got eliminated pretty quickly, and worse, it was against Bobby who? Bobby Lashley? Lesnar then took time off this last week, saying he was always like, I know you guys probably expected me to be here last week, but I took a week off. I took a week off. He's like, I went hunting and fishing, and all I could think about was Bobby Lashley. Eating my steak, and all I could think about was Bobby Lashley. I got into bed with my wife, and then he pauses, and he pauses, and he goes, and about four or five hours later, all I could think about was Bobby Lashley. And I died laughing at that for Brock to make us think that it takes him four or five hours to have sex with Sable. Like, what? Yeah, okay. I mean... Never mind. I'm not even going to, never mind. I was going to make another joke about another wrestler we've heard there about their sex life, but I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. All I'm going to say is listen to Amy Schumer talk about uh, Dolph Ziggler in the bed. So Lesnar then goes, and this popped the shit out of me where he goes, well, inside this $5 denim jacket is a million dollar contract. That popped me big. I loved that. It's like, we know Brock's a multi-millionaire, but he's still frugal and buys cheap clothes. He then pulls out a contract that says, on this contract, it says the two men will meet at the Elimination Chamber, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. All I need is Bobby to come out and sign the contract. Lashley would make his way out to the ring. Total heel. Total heel Bobby Lashley here. Lashley recalled their first meeting and their first match together. Lesnar won. He said that uh, he wins by pinning Lesnar. He said then that Lesnar won their second match, but Lashley left him unconscious. He said that their next meeting, well, that was at the Royal Rumble, and Lashley threw him out of the Rumble. So maybe since Lashley's got the upper hand on him, this match should happen on his terms. He then said, you know what? I'll look over what you got. I'll have my agent look at it. I'll have my manager look at it. I'll have my lawyer look at it. And then we'll take it under consideration. Lashley then asked Lesnar if he was surprised that Bobby Who had one up on him. Lashley then put his finger in Brock's face, and Brock didn't like that, so he grabbed Bobby and gave him an F5. Crowd then loudly starts chanting, One more time! One more time! One more time! So Lesnar picks him up and hits him with yet another F5 as Corey Grave yells, He's given the crowd what they want, KP! Crowd cheers. Brock throws down the contract, tips his cap to Bobby Lashley, and walks out. I thought this segment was great. 
I thought it was good. I thought Brock was really good on the mic. Bobby was good at being a heel as well. Kind of came out of nowhere, the healing it up from Bobby, since he's been a baby face for a while now, and been kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Pushing off the advances of MVP to slightly turn him, because you would think if, if he joins back up with MVP and they reform the Hurt Business, he'll probably be a heel there. And he's like, no, I want to do everything by myself. I don't need help from you guys. I don't want to join up back with you and this and that. So you're like, okay, they're going to keep Bobby Babyface. And then all of a sudden this week, he's just a heel. Kind of weird out of nowhere. Yeah, and especially you would think Bobby's the Babyface in this one because Brock screwed him over in that U.S. title match against Austin Theory. True, but Brock's going to get the babyface reaction no matter what, so it kind of makes sense. So, I don't know. Honestly, I think this is a match that could just be two big hosses fighting, and it doesn't matter who's a babyface or who's a heel. It's just two guys that are very dominant in what they do wanting to beat the crap out of the other. I don't think it needs a heel or babyface dynamic. Uh, so we go to the back, and Gargano and Loomis approach Candice as she's psyched up for her upcoming match. Loomis presented her with a drawing of Lorraine and Gargano with her dogs. Lorraine was pleased until she noticed a strange woman drawn to the side and asked who it was. They realized that it was Nikki Cross who was stalking them in the background at that very moment. Cross cackled and scampered away. Gargano then Gargano and Lorraine they were kind of perplexed as Loomis just stood there in silence. Also, I don't know if I heard this right or not, but did Candace start saying something about Indy Hartwell? I don't know. I know when, when like, they were showing the picture, I, when, like, Candace said, like, oh, it's the whole family. I thought it was going to show Indy Hartwell in that picture. I thought she said something about Indy? Indy? But maybe I just misheard it or something. So... Yeah, I feel like Indy needs to be on the main roster pretty soon. Right. Because they already got Dexter with them. She was backstage. She worked uh, main event taping. I think she, if I'm thinking, if I uh, read it correctly earlier, she had a match for main event with um, Dana Brooke. Spoiler alert. But who really watches main event? But yeah, she. I think she took on Dana Brooke. Creed Brothers were there as well. So, speaking of Candice LeRae, her match was next. It went just shy of 10 minutes. It was a fatal four-way match for the final spot in the Women's Elimination Chamber match. It was uh, Candice LeRae, Michin Mia Yim, Carmella, and Piper Niven. I thought the match was good. I thought, you know, when you get matches like this, sometimes they can get a, turn into a little bit of a cluster, but I think they did a good job with not having too much going on at once in this match. That's the one big takeaway I can give, because a lot of times when we see these four ways in WWE, they try to cram so much into it. But I feel like this time, it was actually paced really well. All the women worked good together, and they let every woman kind of shine in a way that no one felt like they were stepping on top of each other's stuff. So Piper Niven panicked uh, her other three opponents once she hit them all with a crossbody at once. After a commercial break, Mia Yim gave Carmella an eat defeat, but Piper Niven broke up the pin. 
Luray gave Niven a lion salt, but Yim broke up the cover. Niven gave Yim a spinning side slam, but Luray broke up the cover. Luray then avoided a Niven senton and hit one of her own. Carmella tried a surprise schoolboy on Luray, but she kicked out. Carmella gave Luray a bronco buster, and Niven gave Luray a cannonball. Carmella then super kicked Niven out of the ring and stacked up Luray to pick up the victory. They really killed freaking um, Candice there at the end to make sure we knew she was done, done, done. So Carmella gets the final spot in the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Corey Graves, super happy. He's like, ah, this is the first time we've seen my wife in months. So now in the Women's Elimination Chamber match, it is... I'm going to try to think of this off the top of my head without looking at it. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Natalia, and Carmella. So those six will fight inside Elimination Chamber with the winner getting a shot at Bianca Belair at Royal or WrestleMania. What would you think of the match? The match was all right. I honestly thought Piper Niven was going to win because so she I. had a good... Going out in the Royal Rumble, so I thought giving her the win would have helped build her up more as like, like the new like Piper Niven, like she's no longer Dewdrop. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess giving the win Carmella isn't terrible either. It's her first match back, so a yeah. big win could help her out as well. Honestly, if I had to pick right now who wins the Chamber, I'm probably gonna go Asuka. Oh, hundred percent. Oscar and Bianca would kill it at WrestleMania. Because you're going, if you're going to try to go after like match quality, definitely go Oscar. So we then have the Corbin JBL segment that we already talked about. JBL basically kicked um, Corbin to the side and said, ah, I don't want to be with you anymore. So then. Candice LeRae is walking backstage all hurt and like, oh, man, I lost my match. And then she gets shoved into a production box by Piper Niven. Niven starts yelling at her when Mia Yim would jump in between. And Niven's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to back off for now. But don't get in my way next time when it's me wanting to go for the women's championship. This is your one and only warning. <clears throat> so they still lead to someone. Go for it. It's going to lead to someone teaming with Piper Niven and, and like Mia Yim and Candice team up to take on Piper Niven someone else. Maybe. Or maybe it's just a way to be like Piper lost, but she's still like a force in the division. Like the other women are still not scared of her per se, but know that she's someone not to mess with. I think that's what really what it I mean, they could get a tag team partner for her. Trying to think who it could be. Uh, I don't even know. Trying to think of under other heels on Raw. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Unless they just bring someone from SmackDown. Maybe. Um, they had the JBL segment, like I said. Oh, that was before this, the JBL segment. Interesting. Hold on. Something was just announced on WWE's Twitter. Let me see what this is really fast. Um... It says Ali was challenged to a match by Bronson Reed and Otis caused, I mean, I'm not going to watch the video right now. Cause there's a little video they posted with Dolph Ziggler and a bunch of other people. Huh? Interesting. But sometime soon, it looks like we're getting Ali versus Bronson Reed. That should be interesting. 
Fun. We're moving forward, we had Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander taking on the Alpha Academy. Shelton and Cedric did have MVP in their corner. This match went just around five minutes. No Omos, though. Yeah, no Omos. Which, I mean, we don't need Omos every week. It would have been nice to see him out there. But I think they didn't want... How do I say it? Omos to overshadow what the story of this was supposed to be. That MVP screwed up once before trying to help Shelton and Cedric, but this time he did right by them. And so Omos being out there may have slightly overshadowed that and had more questions and answers. So I like that there was no Omos. It's not needed every week. Well, there was an impressive spot early where Alexander went for a neutralizer, but Chad Gable caught him and in one motion hit a German suplex. Otis and tagged in and gave Benjamin the world's strongest slam. Otis worked over Benjamin for a bit before Alexander tagged in and ran wild on Gable. But when he went for a dive, Gable caught him and suplexed him to the outside. Gable then followed this up with the diving headbutt, but Benjamin broke up the pin. Benjamin then hit Otis with a knee strike before hitting an impressive Samoan slam or Samoan drop on him. Alexander then dodged Gable's moonsault attempt and hit a lumbar check to pick up the victory. So there we go. Shelton Benjamin and um Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander do pick up the win and they celebrate with MVP afterwards. The announcers are like, so what does this mean? Is this a reunion of these three men? These three always worked well together in the past. So all they need is Bobby and the her business back is back in business. No pun intended. Uh I think maybe they're trying to like build up Cedric and Shelton as like I'm going to tag team again, make yeah. it Bobby. Like, hey, we're like, we're pretty good again. Let's come back and we can reunite the Hurt Business. Yep. I mean, it's inevitable. I think that's the, the end goal is reuniting the Hurt Business. So it really help out. <clears throat> Go for it. It could really help out uh, Cedric and Shelton a lot. Oh, yeah. Because they haven't, oh, yeah. they haven't really done anything. Ever since the her business broke up. But if you remember all the, the stories from when they broke up her business, it was Bobby and MVP kept going to Vince saying, Why? 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 This thing's this thing's doing great right now. There's no reason to break us up. And then Vince was like, Ah, we gotta do it. We gotta do it. I Do you feel like they hit their peak? No. I don't think they peaked at all. He might have thought it, but I didn't. Oh, that was the reason. He he felt like they already reached their peak, and it's like, all right, we got to break them up. I mean, reached their peak? How? They were they were grouped for what? Less than six months? Maybe six months max? How's that their peak? Uh, if that is it, I don't remember reading that. You could be right. I don't remember reading that. But if that's what Vince thought, like, what the hell? We see groups together for years, and they never hit their peak, but I don't know. I've seen that a lot. Go for it. Though. Like when ever like there's a group that's like really good with the fans, like they're like really high baby faces and they're good with the fans. Kind of seen Vince like, all right, break him up. It kind of happened with the Shield though. Like they were at that one point, fans were like loving them. They're like one of the best baby faces in the company. And then boom, Seth Rollins turned on them. Yeah, but I think the Shield broke up at the perfect time. I honestly believe that. Because if you, if you really look at it, it's like they were a great trio, but I think they are ones that did hit their peak. There wasn't really much more after that, excuse me, after that evolution feud. 
I just don't see much more they could have done as a trio. I mean, you had, what, Ambrose is the U.S. champion, and then Roman and Seth tag champs and whatnot at one point. But it's like they needed to start breaking those guys out as singles guys because you had, you know, John Cena was nearing his end. Randy Orton was not nearing his end, but not going to be the guy as much anymore. And so it's like, I think when they broke up the shield and Seth won money in the bank and then Roman and Seth started winning world titles and stuff, I really do believe that was the perfect time. It's Kathy Kelly interviewed The Miz backstage. He acted like he was not impressed by Rick Boogs last week until Boogs showed up right out of Adam Pierce's office. Boogs showed up and said that he was just happy to be back with the Boogs crew. Miz thought that that was dumb and told Boogs that he would have won last week if he didn't have to wrestle in a suit, a suit that his wife bought him. He starts going on, going, if I was prepared and if I was ready and if, if I had my gear, I would have beat you. No problem. And all of a sudden, Anna Pierce walks out. And Anna Pierce is like, oh, really, Miz? Well, how about this? Next week, you in a rematch against Adam Pierce. I mean, against Rick Boogs. And Miz is like, uh, well, um, uh, yeah. And Boogs is like, I'm so pumped. And he starts, like, doing the little workout thing with the thing he had. I don't know what they're called, but he's, like, squeezing it. Ha, 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 And then he walks off. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's cool. It's just another match for yeah. next week. Also, is it just me? Or has Boogs, like, gotten bigger than when he got hurt last year at Mania? Like, that man is bigger. Yeah, he's definitely gotten bigger. He, if, you, if you've seen his, like, workout videos on, like, Snap, on Instagram and YouTube, mm-hmm. like, that dude can lift. Oh, yeah. He's a, he can lift a lot of weight. He's a scary strong person. So Chelsea Green would show up. This is all in one, like, one shot of a segment. Like, they end the miss thing, and all of a sudden, boom, there's Chelsea Green. She shows up in her gear, and she tells Adam Pierce, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm going to have a match. You send out an opponent to the ring. Okay, thanks, bye. So I guess that's her catchphrase. Okay, thanks, bye. So Chelsea Green comes out, and it's her first match on Monday Night Raw since December, I want to say 16th. Let me double check. I wrote it on Twitter. This is Chelsea's first match on Raw since December 16th, 2019, when she had a match with Charlotte Flair. She hasn't had a match on Raw ever since. This is her first match on Raw since then. And we're all sitting there, and we're waiting, and we go, who is her opponent going to be? I along with others that I saw on Twitter, thought maybe it could have been a return for Nia Jax. But nope. Out would come Asuka. And this match got a little weird early on. So the match is getting ready to start, and all of a sudden there's Raquel Rodriguez. There's Liv Morgan. There's Natalia. Out comes Carmella. So essentially, all the women... Oh, and Nikki Cross eventually showed up as well. All the women in the Elimination Chamber match were there including Asuka, who was in the match. And early on, Chelsea Green has beaten the shit out of Asuka. And Asuka's basically knocked out, laid out on the mat. And she starts jaw-jacking with all the girls at ringside. Uh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I'm better than you. You guys need to get out of here. Blah, 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 blah. Asuka then wakes up. And Asuka just starts raining down strikes on Chelsea. German suplex. 
kicks her in the head, and then puts her in like a version of the rings of Saturn where Chelsea has to verbally tap. She's like, I quit, I quit, tap out, tap out, tap out. And Asuka picks up the victory. After the match, Bianca Belair would come out and remind everybody that she's the champ and that she's excited to see who of these six women wins Elimination Chamber and faces her at WrestleMania. What did you think of the match, the segment, and everything? What do you think? We already heard from you said Asuka. So. But what did you think of the way they set this up leading to a six-woman tag next week? I mean, it was kind of weird. Yeah. All the women just like randomly just showed up just to start watching Asuka and Chelsea Green match. But I mean, if Asuka doesn't win the chamber, the only other person I can think of is probably Liv Morgan. Right. But yeah. If Asuka doesn't win. It felt weird to me too because we weren't supposed to know. No one it was like no one was supposed to know who Asuka or Chelsea's opponent was. So why would Natty? Why would Raquel and why would Liv, A, I mean, not be there, but why would they be so perfectly ready to be a ringside for Chelsea's match? You know what I mean? It's just weird. I get them wanting to be there to scout Asuka, maybe, but they didn't know Asuka was going to be in this match. Nobody knew it was going to be Asuka, except for Adam Pierce. So it was a little weird and awkward, So, but mm, it's whatever. It, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Next week, we're getting a basically Survivor Series style match-ish. Because, you know, they say, Survivor Series, the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown superstars face off each other. Well, it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown next week. It's going to be Asuka, Carmella, and Nikki Cross against Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, and um, Natalia. I'd probably say Raw might win. Say it again? I think Raw, Raw side would probably win. That's a tough one. Um, I think if Asuka is winning the chamber, her team loses. Maybe Liv pins, I'm trying to think, Nikki or Carmella? I think if Asuka's winning, her team loses. Then we moved on to one of the best segments we've seen in a very long time. As far as just two people talking in the ring. Nothing really happened. No, nothing at all happened physically. This was a mental game at its best. At its peak. This was amazing. Dare I say, fantastic and outstanding. So Cody comes down to the ring to a big reaction from the crowd. Also, back it up really fast. Cody gets like 77 pieces of pyro, right? But when Brock comes out, he gets pyro noise. We hear the... But we don't see any pyro, which is weird. But Cody's got pyro going off two or three times during his uh, entrance. Anyways. Cody comes out and does his catchphrase, So what do you want to talk about? Rhodes mentions that Roman Reigns will take on Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber. The crowd, um, uh, Rhodes says that the crowd read his, uh, well, the crowd's chanting for Sammy, and he says, yeah, you read my mind. While his path to WrestleMania is a straight line, Reigns will be defending his title against a guy who has kicked up dirt and fought his way to a championship match in his hometown in Sami Zayn. Rhodes says that he respects anyone 
who fought against injustice put upon them, and he considers Sammy a friend. Rhodes then wishes Sammy well and said, quote, let the best man win. Out would then come Paul Heyman. Ooh, this is when shit got real. So Heyman comes out to the ring. The crowd loudly sang along with his spiel. I am the advocate. I am the, ed, uh, what is it? What is he? Wise man to your undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. And I love how he says Roman's name differently than he ever did Brock. Brock's name was always Brock Lesnar. But Roman's more subdued. Roman. And he's, he's got to drag out the end of the Reigns. Reigns. I always like the way he does that. Anyways. He informed Rhodes that the only week. Uh, no. Uh, he informed Rhodes that the only week as busy as the week leading up to the big event like the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania was the one to follow. So, a week after he did it, Heyman congratulated Rhodes on his win in the Rumble. They shook hands in the middle of the ring. He even asked Cody, can I come in? Cody said, sure. Cody then took, the, uh, took over and said that his father and his brother had a nickname for Heyman. But all Cody wanted to call him was Mr. Heyman because he respected Paul and everything he's done. And Paul knows why he respects him. Rose then decided to pull the curtain back for everybody here and watching at home. He said in the year of 2000, the Rhodes family came across real hard times. They were broke with no more than $150 in the bank account for the entire family. My father did local car commercials, not for a paycheck, but to keep the car. Crowd starts chanting, Dusty. He then said, that his father got a call one day from Paul Heyman himself saying that ECW was coming to town and Steve Carino was going to cut a promo on Dusty Rhodes and it would be great if Dusty could appear. Heyman fighting back tears at this point. Cody said that Heyman offered to pay Dusty and pay him well. He said Heyman was also a man of his words. He said thanks to Heyman, Dusty got his confidence back, and Cody would never thank him. Would never be able to thank him enough for that. Remember, 2000 was only a few years before he ended up going and working for Jeff Jarrett in TNA. TNA started in 2002. Um, Dusty Rhodes is kind of like the authority, the first authority figure for TNA. So yeah, Cody said before he returned to WWE, he was somewhere else, the other company, a little bit of a disruptor in this business. And Heyman helped show him the way. Cody thanked him again. And the crowd started chanting, Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Heyman then took a step back and kind of chuckled. He told Cody, You're good. You're really good. Heyman tried finding the words as he was kind of speechless. We never see Dust or Paul Heyman speechless like this. Crowd starts cheering. Heyman's like, You want to pull back the curtain? We can really pull back this curtain. He said, this wasn't about him or Dusty. This is all about Cody. This was about everything that Cody fought for. Uh, leaving through the door and walking right back in. This was about main eventing and winning at WrestleMania. Winning at WrestleMania would be the storybook ending. But it was all up to Cody to make sure he didn't come up short. Because Cody 
was going against the biggest box office draw at WrestleMania in Roman Reigns. He said nobody else knew what it was like being under the spotlight. And nobody prepped Cody for this. He then says, we're here in Orlando. What else is in Orlando? The Performance Center. What was the big thing at the Performance Center? Your father, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes trained and prepped the stars, the biggest stars of this current generation. He said, your father trained and prepped Seth Rollins. Your father trained and prepped Becky Lynch. Your father trained and prepped Bailey, Kevin Owens, and the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. There's one person your father didn't train, didn't prep. That was you. Heyman said that maybe Dusty simply wanted Cody to do it on his own. Heyman couldn't stress how much he loved Dusty or how much Dusty loved Cody. He said, in my last conversation with Dusty, he told me that, Cody, you were his favorite son. But that Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted. Heyman drops the mic. The crowd boos uproariously. Cody then slowly gets in Heyman's face. Heyman takes a step back. And you hear someone go, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if that was commentary or what. Cody then kind of forces Heyman to shake his hand. And he keeps Paul close. Cody gets really serious here and says, Paul, you've made this personal. You really have. And then at WrestleMania, tell Roman Reigns that I am going to take his titles personally. Cody then leaves. Oh boy, was this awesome. What did you think of this fantastic segment? This segment, I honestly, this was a great way to like start off this Roman and Cody feud. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think the main like story here can just be like Roman was the son that Dusty has always wanted, and Cody can like prove him wrong at Mania. The one line I forgot to mention here from Cody at the end where he said, uh, he told Heyman, you've made it personal. And you won't be the one that's going to have to pay. It'll be your boy, Roman Reigns. I loved that. Where he's like, you're not going to be the one to pay. It's going to be Roman when I take his titles personally. And I'm like, oh, that was a good line. Cody, and I think you said it to me too. Sounded like maybe he, no, I wouldn't say was sick. but kind of losing his voice a little bit. Regardless, Cody was tremendous. Heyman, tremendous. I can't wait till they throw Roman in the mix and Roman starts cutting promos on Cody with Cody back and forth. If you weren't sold on this being the main event for WrestleMania, I bet you are now or very close to it. I can't wait to see in-ring only non-physical verbal interactions between Roman and Cody. I can't wait. Well, they're going to wait until like the Roman's and Sammy stuff is over. Yeah, so as early as the 20th. That's the Raw after Elimination Chamber. <laughs> uh, we then had a Kofi Kingston video package celebrating Black History Month. And then we had our final men's Elimination Chamber, actually the final Elimination Chamber qualifier for either chamber matches. So it was... Elias against Montez Ford. Match went right around 10 and a half minutes, but just like the Damian Priest-Angela um, Dawkins match, 
I felt like this match really didn't do much. There was not much to it. There were some highlights. That was about it. Nothing that really like was like, oh my God, in this match. So highlights of the match were Ford doing some wild flip dive over the ring post to the outside. He followed it up with a big frog splash to pick up the victory. Austin Theory was on commentary and posed with his belt on top of the announce table when after the match, Seth Rollins would run out, trip Theory off the table, and then give him a curb stomp. Rollins pranced around the ring as Ford kind of celebrated his victory and watched Seth. So yeah, I really didn't get many notes here because not much really happened, at least in my opinion. I mean, this match really could have gone either way. Like one, Montez Ford winning because, you know, he could do some really cool stuff in the chamber. I mean, he can like a dive right off one of the pods. Yep. That would look amazing. One of them frog splashes. Or he could have, gone, could have done Elias because, you know, he has chamber experience. So he could have been like, all right, this guy already has experience. We can just put him in the chamber match even though he's not winning. Yeah, but I think they want Montez in there to jump off of a pod. Yeah. Get that get that moment, I guess you could say. Before we go to our main event, we get three things actually announced for next week's Monday Night Raw. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley will have a contract signing for their match at Elimination Chamber. We'll have Raw versus SmackDown in a six-woman tag team match with Oscar, Nikki Cross, and Carmella take on the team of Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, and Natalia. And finally, Seth Rollins will be the guest on Miz TV. Then we go to our main event, where it's a steel cage match, Becky Lynch, Bailey. Match goes 15 minutes and 10 seconds. And one thing to note before the match, last week, Corey Graves had offhandedly mentioned, oh, by the way, Dakota Kai was injured in the Royal Rumble. Okay, didn't say anything else on it. Well, tonight, Dakota came down with a knee brace on and crutches. So all I'm going to say is I don't think, and because I don't want to get into the spoiler yet, I don't think Dakota's injury is that serious. Like, she should be good to go in a couple of weeks. If what I'm hearing and what others are saying is true. So I think they were trying to do as little of commercials during the match as possible because we had a commercial. We then got the entrances and went straight to another commercial. I think they were trying to get as little commercials during this match as possible. So we come back. And they're like, well, we know this match is going to happen and no one's going to interfere because we're back from break and that door is locked. So Lynch was aggressive early on and took control for the first portion of this match until Bailey bonked her off the side of the cage. Bailey followed this up with a flying elbow drop for a two. Bailey hit a sunset flip bomb into the bottom turnbuckle during a break, but Lynch fought back following the break. With Bailey draped on over the top rope, Lynch hit a diving leg drop for a two. Bailey countered a manhandle slam into a back suplex and got a two off of it. Bailey tried to escape, and she was climbing up the cage. So instead of Becky just trying to, like, yank her down or whatever, Becky actually drop-kicked the cage itself, basically shaking the cage. In turn, Bailey falls off. I thought that was clever. I think I've seen that maybe once or twice before, but it's a move and a, and a I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for? A tactic we don't see often. Lynch tried to leg drop Bailey, but Bailey caught her and applied a leg guillotine. Uh, Graves pointed out that Bailey didn't have the ankle grasp properly here. Lynch then crawled towards the open door and flung Bailey around into the turnbuckle. Bailey tried the leg lock yet again, 
Bill Lynch drove her into the cage. They battled for position on uh, on the top rope until Bailey brought down Lynch with a belly to belly. They only got a two count, so Bailey climbed to the top of the cage. Lita, oh no, uh, I went a little too ahead here in my notes. Hold on, uh, Lynch went after her and applied a disarmor on the top of the cage until Bailey fell back into the ring. Cool looking spot. Lynch seemed to have it all won when EO Sky climbed up and knocked her back down. Kai then slipped a crutch into the ring, and that is when Lita would make her way out to the ring. Lita would come down and pull EO off the side of the cage. She would then kind of slightly go at it with Dakota. They made sure to make sure that Dakota didn't really do much here, which I liked because, you know, Dakota's hurt. So what they did was Dakota, like, tried to swing the um, crutch at Lita. They were on opposite ends of the steps. Lita then yanked the crutch out of Dakota's hand. Dakota kind of just caught herself on the steps. Again, not doing much, which is good. And then she hit Io with the crutch and gave her a twist of fate on the outside. Lita then slammed the door on Bailey, which allowed Lynch to hit a manhandle slam and pin Bailey to pick up the victory. Lita would then get in the cage and celebrate with Becky. I thought the match itself really good. So before I get into the spoiler, what did you think of this actual match? That was fun. I thought the at first when Lita came out, I was like, "Is Lita here?" So I like kind of like realized why she was there. I think maybe because like Becky and Lita they fought each other in Saudi. Yep. Maybe this was gonna like build up to something later down the road, but let let you get into everything else. So I'm gonna put this up on the screen. Spoiler alert. Be five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. So. We see in this main event, Lita does come down to help Becky Lynch. We've got Becky against Damage Control. She needs some help. Well, the going word right now is that they're going to get a third with Lita and Becky, which will be Trish Stratus. The word going around right now is that at Elimination Chamber, it is going to be Becky Lynch Trish Stratus and Lita against all three members of Damage Control. Hence why I said, if that is true and the route they go, then it does seem like that Dakota is going to be fine within the next couple of weeks. So it's seemingly, and it looks like very possible, that again, it's going to be Becky, Lita, and Trish Stratus against Damage Control at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. That is... The spoiler I was getting into. Spoilers done. But with that, guys, that was everything that took place tonight on Monday Night Raw. I thought it was a good Monday Night Raw. Very productive type of a show. Building towards WrestleMania. Getting us interested in matches for that. Building towards Elimination Chamber. So, Luke, any closing thoughts on tonight's Raw? Um, how many matches do we have announced for Chamber so far? Officially, five. We have the undisputed title match. We have the Brock Bobby mixed tag and the two chamber matches. So, 
I would assume they'll probably add another one. Well, the the six-woman tag that we talked about. Yeah. So I think six matches, maybe add a seventh short, small match, and you're good to go. (laughs) Right. But with that, or as you know what we thought of the show, now it's time to see what you guys Thought of tonight's Monday Night Raw. As far as the polls do go, let's refresh all of these. As far as the Twitch poll does go, uh, 90% liked tonight's Monday Night Raw with 10% thinking it was just all right. As far as the Twitter poll does go, let's see, let's see. 67% liked the show, 18% thought it was just all right, and 13% did not like it. As we go to the YouTube community poll, 82% 82% liked the show. Well, let me refresh this really fast. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, 82% liked the show. 14% thought it was just all right. And 4% did not like it. Some of the comments here, this person says, um, I enjoyed some stuff. Others, not so much. Six out of 10. The person says it was great. Raw has been on a good streak as of late. And finally, as far as the YouTube live poll, 83% liked the show, 13% thought it was just all right, and 3% did not like it. So with that, guys, that's everything that we got for tonight's Monday Night Raw. We'll be back on Wednesday for AEW Dynamite. So Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter at Petke underscore 21, and you can also find me over at Twitch at Petke. Remember, guys, follow PW Unlimited everywhere. Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. We're on all the things. So with that, have a great rest of your night, guys. And we will see you next time. Have a good one, guys.